Hello, I'm Leah Householder. I'm a leader on our technology and data science team at Cineos Health. One critical part of my job is our annual trends report. It gives me the unique opportunity to talk with hundreds of experts who work on the front lines of healthcare around the world and interrogate the latest data and technology to not only anticipate change, but to influence it, to know it, to be more prepared when it arrives. 2023 will be a year of renewal and reimagining. After the last few years, our senses are sharpened around what we need to learn. Let's learn together. Welcome to the Cineos Health Podcast 2023 Health Trends Edition. So I welcome you to Insights Hub Live, the 2023 Trends Health Edition, also available on the Cineos Health Podcast. Andrew, welcome. Thank you. I'm always delighted to talk with you. I know your role in Cineos has changed and evolved over time, so I wonder if you would just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and yes. what you do. Yes. Hello, my name is Andrew Barron. I'm based in the UK. I've been at Cineos nearly 10 years, and you're right, the role has changed. Predominantly, I'm in the operational sense activating clinical trials, but my role has drifted into the tech and data space to bring those insights in terms of feasibility and pulling them through into action. And I think that's really where things are really evolving. It's going from insights into action and then generating outcomes. So my new role, I get a selection of those operating models and I'm able to put them together because ultimately what I want to do is get a better site experience coming out of Mm -hmm. the industry. And I think that's an area which is becoming much more competitive. We're seeing that in the feasibility space, and we're trying to obviously navigate around that using the insights to allow us to find where the best sites are with the best patient populations that match our sponsors' protocols. But at the end of the day, we still need to have an experience of those. We want to have that frictionless environment, and we want to have an environment they want to keep doing business with us as well. So it's really about thinking about the continuum. So I have a whole trend I want to talk to you about, but you know site experience is as exciting for me as it is for you. Like, it's something that I think about all the time. What does it look like to be a sponsor of choice? What does it look like to deliver that site experience that primary investigators want to continue to be a part of? Yeah, I think really the key comes down to, like every customer experience, people want to be heard. Mm. They want to be listened to. And they have significant challenges. They're a business or they're an academia. And they have constraints. There's a lot going on in this space, particularly around technology, and we're trying to drive a more efficient and effective outcome. But these sites get an exposure to a huge array of that. We come as an organization with our package and we put it to the site, but they get so many different variables. And just like where we are in this current moment, when we come out of a pandemic, everything's disrupted, staffing levels. So people are being trained and there's a lot of friction in there or disruption, not positive in that sense. And we've got to work through those health systems who are going through some sort of, let's say, regen. So you can't really think you can just lift off where you were before the pandemic. Absolutely. So what do you think is the number one thing that sites are hoping for in partnership coming into 2023? That's probably too broad of a question, but I wonder if something comes to mind. The major shift in this disrupted environment is... I think the number one is they want to be paid. Of course. That's the number one. But there's challenges with that. Just getting an invoice raised is actually one of the biggest rate limiters that we have to want to pay the sites Mm. on time. So that's something that's generally popping out. We've got to find a way to make that much more easier. The way I like to think about things, if we could take our operating model and make it kind of like an Amazon type model where that experience is that you see where you are or make it easier so you don't feel like you're actually shopping with that sort of challenge of shopping and you know the credit cards have already built in you just hit pay and you're done it's delivered literally like a day or two later if we could try and think a way to simplify that 
and give that site experience and help them come into our ecosystem rather than keeping a little bit outside of it because it's technology not enabled. They're the, where there are things I can see where we can evolve and help them. I think you've experienced, like I have, the new technologies grow through this cycle of promise to performance. And we've watched that trajectory. Often it begins with a bit of a frenzy of experimentation. Everybody wants to try it. Everybody wants to see what's going to work. And then some users end up feeling disappointed. They drop off. And some end up pushing and pushing and pushing to try to get to that use case that's really going to work. And those innovators who commit to that iteration take entire markets to the point of realizing new kinds of value. And I feel like we're getting close to that in AI today. I certainly see it with our clients today. So I'm curious what you think is the most effective use of AI and machine learning. What's working? What's not working? What are you interested in going into 2023? Yeah, I think this is just such a mega subject, but I still feel we're really at the front end of it. In an operational sense, I think all of the focus of AI and machine learning is about predictability. So it's the first stage, you've got a massive amount of data and we can't underestimate how hard it is to put all of that data together because it comes in so many different formats and heritage structures, it needs to be cleaned, it needs to be put together. But I think predictability is where I've seen where the immediate use case is. I think where it's going to evolve is allowing us to really start to take things out of the patterns that we have yet to be seen. It's all about pattern forming, it's about seeing things that you maybe didn't have the time to crunch. Because when you think about the speed of what the AI and the machine learning can do, you probably don't even attempt it because you just run out of time. Absolutely. And, and so it puts it into your field of reference that if you can get those patterns and form them, and I think that's what we're going to start seeing things really evolve to and speed up. And I think that's really where, in my mind, I see like an industrial revolution coming with this. That's where I think we take a quantum leap. We see things with chat GPT coming about, things that you just think is not possible, possible. And I think that's where we'll be crunching questions that we've never crunched before because you think they're just too time intensive to do in the real world of doing business. So whose job in the clinical organizations are changing? Mm. Someone has to train these algorithms. Someone has to teach them how to be as effective as humans could be if they had all the time in the world. Yeah. But at a speed that is much, much faster. Yeah. Whose job's changing? That's a really great question. I'm actually not sure if jobs are changing. What I see is different constructs of teams. Like myself, we brought data science into our team because we felt that there is a methodology, but there is an experience and there is imagination. Mm -hmm. And you want to put them all together to accelerate through that learning cycle that you spoke about. That's how we're seeing our response come to fruition. It allows us not to get disappointed with early failure, but the failure becomes a learning and it allows us to go again. So I think where it will go is those methodologies become applications, those applications then move down the continuum of the critical path into project teams who have used those teams before to create a strategy, but now can alter their strategy by just really hitting a button. So it's all baked in and those decision points become easier and probably more confidently to be applied. I love that idea of experience plus imagination. We work in a tough industry for experience plus imagination. Yeah. So how do you prepare when you think about our RX data science team? We'll do those 10 to 12 week sprints yeah. in order to be able to apply AI or machine learning to a difficult challenge. It doesn't work every time. No, it doesn't. Why? How do you prepare your clients for that? Well, we simulate what the clients are going to say. What we are doing in these, what we call two in the box, or I like to call woodworking in the shared together. <laughs> 
we're basically emulating customer scenarios that we've been put into time and time again. Mm-hmm. So what that allows us to do is then say, will it stand the test of time? Will it be quashed within a nanosecond? And what we are looking to do is then strengthen our position with those simulations. And that's really been built into the design up front. That's why I'm excited about the cocktail of the teams mixing together and putting that together. So, yeah, I think really what it's going to come down to is transparency and reference. So an output of machine learning can be a number and we go with a number, but a competitor is going to go with a number and another competitor is going to go with a number. So which one makes your number the one that's right? It's going to be the one that's going to be most credible. And so at the end of the day, a buyer is someone who's trusting. And that's what we've got to prove. One of my favorite phrases from this year's trends report is the idea of acting before interruption, of being able to use machine learning to essentially identify there's a challenge coming up in the trial, whether it's recruiting or it's the protocol or it's the activation of the sites. There's something happening that Mm -hmm. is going to be an interruption. And I want to be able to give the team the full information about that before they have to deal with the delay. What do you think about that? Are you hearing sponsors talk a bit about being able to act on data ahead of changes that are happening in the environment? Actually, one of the genesis of this whole process was to put confidence intervals at timely, critical points. Confidence intervals. Where you can Mm -hmm. then make an informed decision. You know, you can be the best reactor, but you've been put into a situation where you've got to climb out of a problem. When you're driving down the motorway, you've got white lines on either side. They're called the rumble strip. When the car goes off, it rumbles. I think that's where I think we'll be training our machines to tell you you're actually going towards the rumble strip rather than crossing the rumble strip. So I like to look at it that way, that at this point in time, the three lanes are your confidence intervals, right? Mm -hmm. And they will be put in at certain time points. And ultimately, it's going to be part of your project management methodology to run the model and actually then simulate the time. I wonder if there's any particular case study or story or outside example that you think is really interesting for how AI has been able to impact healthcare. I think we're seeing, obviously, the cases that you had in the trends report, amazing singular use cases. Mm -hmm. I kind of like them as examples, but I'm looking for something that's really industrialized. That's what I'm looking at, because when we look at where we are in the industry, we're really an analog environment and we've got to get digital. So we've got to transform really from processes and procedures and paper into an environment which is doing the job that we don't really need humans to do. I think it's to tie up with automation is what will trigger the mechanisms of the future. That's where I think it's going to go. And that's ultimately where I want it to go myself. So maybe I'll just keep pushing until someone says it's a a bad idea. (laughs) Well, what's going to keep you excited about this job five years from now? What do you want to be doing? I want to be taking the baseline of our reoccurrent methodology and getting into much more sophistication of conversation. That's okay. what you want to do. I want to go deeper. Ultimately, I'd love the customer to experience the design of the methods that we're building into it because we do that all behind the scenes. We do it with amazing folks. And then we really then go into a presentation format and share that in a sort of PowerPoint environment. Reality is I want it to be a simulation that's with them and we can play and model as if you're in a consultancy environment rather than you bake something and you're pitching something. It needs to be really an environment where I think we can bring the customer's data into our models. Mm -hmm. It's then further enriched. You get different results. You can separate what you would have had and what you got then as a result. That is where I think it's going to be. I think it's bring your own data, put it into the models 
and amp it up and see what comes out. That alchemy is really where I want to be. Outstanding. Outstanding. So when you think about AI in the coming years, maybe this is the answer to what you've already told me, but if you think about the impact in the coming years for our sponsors particularly, is there a place that you see them really leveraging it? I mean, I know I've been personally really interested in qualitative systems pharmacology. I don't know if there's some place that you're watching to say sponsors, partners, clients, like where are we headed together next? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, when we do our feasibilities or what we're doing, we're really coming from a protocol to a country to a site. But I see it coming going down and then coming back up again. You go all the way down and you've really come down to a project centric, but really we should be amassing it back up and then looking at it on a program level or asset level and start to seeing if you could then ultimately condense the clinical development plan down. That's where I'm hoping we should see new insights evolve because then you're cross-referencing and you're taking it away from just that traditional methodology. I think there's more to learn, more to seek, and more to get excited about. It's fantastic. I just have to say goodbye to the folks who are watching us here. Thanks so much for joining us on Insights Hub Live, the 2023 Health Trends Edition. Visit trends.health anytime to find more resources, to subscribe to Sineo's Health Podcast, to find more conversations like this great one that we just had here. And Andrew, thank you so much for Thanks being for with us me. today. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you.